0: They did it again. Thank you, worship team. What they sang, the theme of God is good, just fits one of my main topics today. And even when it's not good down here, he is always good to us. Remember Bill McDonald? I know many of you read his commentaries. And uh, one day at a time devotional, he talks about uh, arrow prayers and then when Carl Knott came here, he mentioned arrow prayer. It's just, uh, you make a short prayer and just shoot it up to the Lord. I could appreciate a couple arrow prayers from you guys today. I'm t- titling this Dealing with Circumstances. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you. Lord, you are so good to us. We love you. I just pray now for this uh, This message today, speak through me. Just give me the words through your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're well into 2024, and we know there's always changes, and they create different circumstances for us. Many of them we learn about on the prayer list. Thank you, Gilbert and Jean. And then we learn others from the One Call system. Some of the new, in my field, before I retired, was in police work now, you can't ask a violator, do you know why I'm pulling you over? Because that sometimes would lead to discovering other things, other charges, which could lead to uh, resisting arrest or a pursuit. It could, the the whole thing, could turn into something much more serious. Now you have to say, I'm stopping you because you ran a stop sign back there. These, there's little changes, too, that are going to affect all of us. In a couple of years, leaf blowers and lawnmowers all have to be electrical. No more of that smelly gas that they, uh, you clap, <laughs> but it's gonna change it for us in the long run because everything gets passed down to us. I have an electric uh, cordless leaf blower, a great one, but they only last about 20 or twenty minutes if you have it on full, and these gardeners are working all day long. So they're gonna be having to buy all kinds of batteries, and you know who's gonna end up paying for all of this. There's always unexpended consequences, and the, pa- the costs get passed down to us. But I'm thankful today that our God does not change, even as changes are occurring all around us for various reasons. We know, as Adol said in his message this month, as Malachi wrote, I, the Lord, do not change. His word and the boundaries in his word do not change, thank God. Regardless of what's going on in this crazy social climate, that we're going through now in the world. In Numbers 23 19, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The answer is no and no. He does what he says and he says what he does. What he promises, he fulfills. Thank God. And God, as we know, has a plan for us. He's had it from the very beginning. He had his own agenda for his life, and he has a, an agenda for each one of us. He told his disciples once, He told them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. We talked about that this morning in the, in the worship service. He, that was a promise. He, only he could fulfill that, and he did that. What he says to do, he will do it. And that's a point I was making. He did, just as he promised, dying on the cross for our sins. He had an agenda for himself, and his agenda is the best thing for our lives here and in eternity very well known we know this one jeremiah 29:11 for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future <clears throat> so think about your agenda we each have an agenda if our agenda is different than his agenda we're going to have some serious problems Our agenda was much mesh with his agenda for us. Or else we're going to always be in a tough circumstance. We're going to be fighting the Lord and not obeying the Lord. And when we fight him, we are known in the Old Testament as a stiff-necked people. And that is not a compliment. It means stubborn, haughty, opinionated, and not doing what another wants. In the case of a stiff stiff-necked person, we're not doing what the Lord wants us to do. Little wood woodworking thing here. <clears throat> Most drawers, good quality drawers, are made with what they call dovetail joints. Four-sided box. Okay, the Lord <clears throat> is the front piece of the drawer. That's the one that does the work. A dovetail joint. As these things sticking out, these are called pins. There's pins on each side, and they're angled. These pins go into the sides, which has the angled, they're called sockets, and they go like this. This is the Lord in the front. This is us on the sides, and over here too. When the drawer moves, it pulls along the sides, or when you push it in, it goes back like this. Where the Lord says to go, we're to go with him. We want to keep this perfect joint and we'll be a perfect way, just like they did in the wilderness with the fire and the cloud. We want to mesh with him. If that joint is off or weak, he'll say go somewhere and we will not follow. We don't want that. And he opens and shuts things in our lives as well. He loves us, as we sang, and he wants the best for us. Sometimes his plan and agenda for us is painful and hard. He works us like the potter's wheel. We're the clay on the potter's wheel. We are the ore in the refining process, in the smelting pot. In Sylvia's Bible studies, she she used to say, we don't get to heaven on a pillow. And that's true. It can be a very rough ride, as we know. The potter's wheel crafts us, and the refining process purifies us. Today, I'm going to look at three circumstances and how each person handled this circumstance. That are all a little bit different. There's a right way to handle a circumstance and a wrong way. Two of the three I'm talking about are handled the right way. And the third is handled the wrong way, and we can learn from all three. Recently, Sherry and I went through a horrid event. I knew it. We never saw it coming. We didn't want it to happen. We were shocked. We were gutted. We had and are still having a very tough time. We prayed and prayed some more. Uh, We know the Lord allowed it to happen. We say, as Casting Crowns sings, we praise you through the storm and praise the God who gives and takes away. But it is still raining. But we know God is always good in the challenging times and the good times. And Job, look at what Job went through. Job one twenty one says, <clears throat> Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He made what Sherry and I, he took away what Sherry and I had. He is sovereign over all. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows what's coming. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation and suffering. That is a given. But we know that his blessings are new every morning. So now we look ahead and not back. He has a great future for us. We will still always have that hope that only the Lord can give. And we know that Job has a better ending had a better ending to his life than the beginning. Why he does things, we'll never know. Maybe someday in heaven we'll know. But he has a, one point that he made. He has a purpose for everything that occurs. In Isaiah 58, 9, <clears throat> we know this one. He said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. <clears throat> As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We trust in his reason and realize it's all part of the plan for us. He knows the future in our lives. We don't. Everything that happens is part of of his purpose, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to this purpose. We go to this, this is a go-to verse for all of us because we're all going through different circumstances. I thought, I'm not kidding, I thought, how is this any good for me or anybody? But as the verse says, my thoughts are not his thoughts, and he's going to work this thing for the good for those who love him. this By doing this, it might prevent something worse that would have happened in the future. He knows the future, we don't. He sees things that we cannot see. So we trust in him and praise him in the thick and thin. It's easy to praise him in the easy times, but do we always praise him in the hard times? So the final word on this number one, Give thanks in all circumstances. The Word of God says, "For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." You can make it a little more personal and say, "It is God's will for me in Christ Jesus." We did what the Lord would have us. We did what the Lord would have us to do in these circumstances. Now we move forward. Number two. Very familiar story, because Sherry and I are going through Samuel 1 and 2 every night. And it's great, because sometimes we hear a message about Saul, and another message later, and they're all over the place. But when you read Samuel 1 and 2, you learn about Saul from the beginning all the way to the end, and you see the whole thing going on. You see him circling the drain, and what he does to get there, and what he doesn't do, to get out of there, it's a man who made horrible decisions that caused him to lose his kingdom, his life, and his three sons. His story warns us watch out what you ask for because the people got what they asked for and they paid a price. <clears throat> Just to go over the story, most of you know it. I'll recap it a little here. <clears throat> The Israelites were envious of the kingdoms around them, who all had their own king. They didn't want the Lord to be their king. Okay, so the Lord told Samuel, if you get a new thing, this is what you're going to do to the people. You're going to take your stuff, you're going to make your work hard. It's not going to be pleasant, and there's going to be a lot of hardships. And Samuel relayed this to the people. And of course, they did not listen. There's stiff neck right there. Okay, the Lord gave them what they wanted and picked King Saul to be their king. On the surface, they loved it. He was tall, handsome, uh, just a kind of a very impressive human being. And Samuel anointed him the king, and he got off to a great start. <clears throat> and the best thing he had going for him was that he was small in his own eyes. That will change. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Saul. Samuel blessed him, and he later told him, Right now, do whatever your hand finds you to do, for God is with you. Samuel introduced introduced Saul to the people. They cheered, and they said, Long live the king. Too bad that's not the end of the story. But, As kings do, Saul mustered the nation to go to battle versus the Amorites to rescue a city called Jabesh gilead The next day, they went into the camp and slaughtered them in a huge victory. The nation celebrated, and Saul made offerings to the Lord. Just a great start. <clears throat> Samuel later gave his farewell speech to the people. He said, in this ominous warning, in 1 Samuel 12:24 and 25, "...but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish." Saul later fought battles against the Philistines without consulting the Lord, made several other missteps, then he disobeyed a serious command from Samuel which netted him this in 1 Samuel 13:14. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. This is the spiral. He's in this downward spiral. He makes more unwise choices, not destroying the Amalekites and all the plunder, as the Lord told him to do, which eventually led to the whole thing about Esther and Mordecai, and Haman was one of these descendants of one of these Amalekites. So that was a very costly inaction on Saul's part. In 1 Samuel 15, 26, it says, But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as the king over Israel. Samuel anointed David. He had success after success, including defeating Goliath. Saul was jealous, obsessed with David, and envious, and for years pursued him. He even tried to throw a spear at him twice. He's approaching rock bottom right now. He had previously driven out the mediums like a fortune teller, a seer, you know, one of those type of people in the land, which was a good move. He hit rock bottom when he feared the Philistine army around him, and he took this step. But he had to know about Leviticus. That was a much earlier book, which says... <clears throat> a man or a woman who is a medium or spiritualist must be put to death. You are to stone them, their blood will be on their heads. He totally ignored that. And he said <clears throat> to his attendants in First Samuel 28, 7, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said, You can read this chapter at your convenience, but in 28, it tells a a really complicated story about what happened in this little seance type thing. Saul was informed both he and his two sons would die in battle the next day, and that exactly happened, as prophesied. Poor choices, disobedience, jealousy, envy, and becoming large in one's eyes Contribute to one's downfall. And that's what Saul did. He, from going small in the Lord's eyes, he went big in the Lord's eyes. He ignored the Lord. He started well, but finished poorly. His last act was committing suicide by falling on his own sword. Very sad. <clears throat> it's summed up in 1 Chronicles 10, 13, and 14. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Okay, that's number two. Number three, this is one of the good ones. It's also in Samuel, the whole story of King David. He was a great king, And as the Lord said, a man after God's own heart. We'll figure out how he got that. He was the slayer of Goliath, a warrior, a writer of many psalms, a builder, a leader of armies. But he had these sins, some every bit as bad as as Saul's. He tarried on his roof with roving eyes as his army fought without their leader. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of his most loyal soldiers. He murdered Uriah by sending him to the front lines of a battle where he was destroyed by the enemy. And then he relied on himself after having all those victories with the Lord. He relied on himself by counting his troops in his army without God's permission, which resulted in a plague that killed many people. He neglected his duties as a father and a king, which led to the rebellion of his son Absalom and the rape of his daughter Tamar by his son Amnon. All this came to a head when his prophet, the Lord's prophet Nathan approached David and revealed his sins to him. He told him a parable about a rich man blessed with everything under the sun. Tons of livestock. But the rich man takes his neighbor's little ewe lamb. He only had one lamb and he took it and he killed it for a dinner he was hosting for a visitor. He compared this action with David's killing of Uriah, who had very little when he had everything, but he wanted Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel 12... Five and six. So here's his reaction in heaven immediately after, after uh, Nathan told him this. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Pretty quick reaction, right? How quick we are to join to judge others, just like that. How could he do that? Instantaneous and see other faults. It's easy. That's kind of our nature to see everybody else's fault. It's so much harder to admit to to and see our own. Nathan immediately said, you are the man. And then he reminded David of all the blessings the Lord had given him all the way through his life. Here is the difference between number two and number three. Very similar behavior to this point with the the disobedience. David turns it around, and he had this heartfelt reaction, a reaction Saul never had. In 2 Samuel 12, 13, it says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. God is good. The word tells us to examine ourselves, which is exactly what David did. Several, several times in the uh, New Testament, Paul says, examine yourself. It's like a big introspective look at yourself. David dealt with his sins against the Lord with confession and repentance, and he received God's forgiveness. He poured out his heart in Psalm 51. I know this is one of Bill's favorite scriptures. He wrote it after the prophet Nathan challenged him. A full examination of yourself. This is why the Lord said David was a man after his own heart. I'm just going to pick, I'm just going to read these. No explanation needed, but listen to the words. I picked a few verses out of Psalm 51. The tenderness the confession, looking internally at himself, and look what he wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, And only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Just a beautiful psalm. So, number one, when you get a gut punch like Sherry and I had, take it, move forward, praise God in it, learn from it, For we know the best is yet to come. Use it. Finish strong like David did. If we're we're on a downswing like Saul, confess, repent, examine yourself like David did, and move forward. Like David is the the good example in this one. Saul, unfortunately, a horrible example by him. Sorry about breaking down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just praise you, Lord, for this word. We thank you for your goodness to us. When we repent and confess, Lord, you forgive us, Lord, and we just thank you for that. You are such a wonderful God and just praise you for this word. In Jesus' name, Amen.